stand for a moment and let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your presence here this, evening, uh, this afternoon, Lord. And Lord, we ask, Father, that you would come and that you'd speak to us by your Spirit, Lord Jesus. There are people here that need to be convicted by the Holy Spirit concerning walking and discipleship to Jesus Christ. And Lord, we ask, Father, that your Spirit would be here to show people that following you, Jesus, is the way, the truth, and the life. And Lord Jesus, that they would come to understand the fullness of life that you've prepared for them through the waters of baptism and spirit baptism, Lord Jesus. And Lord, also for all of the disciple makers here, for those that have come through the ranks of the church and know that their calling from the Holy Spirit, their calling from God Almighty is to make disciples. Lord, I pray that you'd put a deposit in their hearts. Lord, put a decision in their hearts that they would go for it, Father, when it comes to making disciples, to see people stepping into the fullness of Christ under their ministry, Lord Jesus. Lord, let your spirit reside in us and minister to us this afternoon. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may take your seats. Well, it's great to be here with you today. You all doing well? We're continuing a new series um, that we started last week with Dudley on how to make a disciple. And I think it's important that we understand that this message is relevant for every single one of you. Because not only are you called to be a disciple yourself, but you're called to grow in Christ to the point where you make disciples. And so last week we had Dudley ministering on repenting and believing. Today we're going to be looking at water baptism. Next week I'm going to be looking at baptism in the Holy Spirit. The following week we're going to be looking at the new creation in Christ. But where do we get this idea of making a disciple from? It begins in Acts 2 verse 39. Um, I will come back to it a bit later on in more detail, but Peter just preaches his first sermon. And afterwards, men come to him, they're cut to the heart, and they say, Peter, what do we need to do to be saved? And he says simply, repent and believe. Be baptized for the remission of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So that comprises the four elements of being made a disciple that we're going to be looking at through this series. Now, we know, as Dudley highlighted last week, that confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord is sufficient for your salvation. Amen? So what I'm not going to be saying through this teaching is that unless you're baptized, you're not going to go to heaven. I'm not saying that. We believe in Jesus. We confess it, with, uh, believe in our hearts, confess it with our mouth. That is sufficient unto salvation. But Jesus said something very powerful. He said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have life in abundance. Now, Receiving Christ in the confession of faith, repentance, and belief, that guarantees you entrance to heaven. So that's the next life. What do we do about this life? How do we begin to walk in the abundance of life that Jesus has prepared for us in this life? That is why Jesus calls us to become disciples. Because in becoming a disciple and walking as a disciple, we begin to experience the fullness of Jesus here in this life. Now, I've mentioned to you that this message is about communicating the spiritual power of water baptism. We're going to unpack something profound. I'm sure that it's going to impact you in a way that you've not thought about concerning baptism before. But let's just quickly set a bit of history. We all know that within the Catholic traditions and uh, more Orthodox traditions, such as the Anglicans, they baptize babies. And there was a tradition to do that for a very specific reason. They were told, parents were told, unless your baby is baptized, they're not going to make it to heaven. And so it became part of their religious practice. Round about the 1600s when we had the Great Reformation, we saw that Martin Luther began to read his Bible and understand that we are saved by faith and faith alone, not by faith plus works. 
And that's something that we preach very strongly here in the church. Shortly after that, as people began to read their scriptures, as the Bible was translated into their languages, they began to see something powerful that we're going to look at today. That people were only baptized after faith. After faith. And so this movement was stirred up known as the Anabaptist movement where they talked and taught, taught about adult baptism. And so that's the context in which we're going to be looking. Pentecostals follow way down the line in, the, in terms of theological development or returning increasingly to Scripture, if you want to term it more accurately. We're now at the place where we also believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, miracles, signs, and wonders, the full giftings of the Holy Spirit. We believe that all that is spoken about in Scripture is available for us today. Amen? But it begins at this place of understanding that baptism follows faith. So I want you to turn to your neighbor and say to them, are you baptized as a believer? Now, if they said no, if they said no, turn back to them and say, listen up. Or if they said yes, turn back to them and say, do you know what Jesus has done for you in baptism? All right, because this is going to be relevant to every single one of you. The more I meditate on baptism, the more I realize how much I am positioned in the grace of God. See, there are only two places that you can be in this world. You are either in sin, hidden in sin, or you are hidden in Christ. Before God, there's only two options, either in sin or in Christ. You might say, oh, I'm a Muslim. There's no hiding in Muhammad. There's no hiding in Buddha. In Buddha. There is no safe place in those men. We need to understand that they are men. We're talking in reference to Jesus Christ, the Son of God. God has only taken humanity and placed them in one person, Jesus Christ. So you are either in Christ or you are in sin. We are all born into sin. We are all born in a place where we sin. We are under the compulsion of sin. We are slaves to sin. When we come to meet Christ, a very important transition happens. He takes us out of the kingdom of sin and darkness, and he places us into the kingdom of light. And a mechanism that he uses for that is repentance and belief and water baptism. Now, what am I talking about with water baptism? I'm not talking about the nice little sprinkling of water on your head. I'm not talking about having a bath. I'm not talking about full immersion without faith. Neither am I talking about you being drowned, where you're held under the water to the point where you panic and actually die and they have to resuscitate you when they bring you out. I'm talking about when you are fully immersed, when you are taken and fully placed under the water and then brought out of the water and you've done it based upon a decision of faith. Full immersion with faith. Now, why should I be baptized? I began by laying a foundation in the fact that Jesus came to give us life and life in abundance, but we need to unpack that just a little bit more. Now, we all know that baptism was made famous by someone known as John. Amen. I've got great aspirations of becoming known as Gabriel the Baptist. You know that I use that name every now and then. I think last year I baptized over 220 people here in the church, so that was good, good fun. In Matthew 3, verse 1, it says, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. 
For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John himself was clothed with camel's hair. I don't think I want to start wearing camel's hair. With a leather belt around his waist. And his food was locusts and wild honey. Another sacrifice I'm not willing to make just yet. (laughs) Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all of the region around the Jordan went out to him. And were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. All the people of Jerusalem, Judea, and the whole region went out to John to be baptized. What's the message he was preaching? Flee the coming wrath. Flee the coming wrath. You see, we need to begin to understand that what we've been brought into is freedom from God's wrath being poured out against sin. There was a recognition that we need God. If we are born in sin, if we are born as slaves to sin, then we need God to save us. And these people understood. They were fleeing the wrath of God that was to be poured out against sin. Now, a lot of you will probably have an issue with the fact that, oh, how can a good God send people to hell? Well, it comes back to the point that I was making before. We are either in sin or we are in Christ. Sin is offensive to God. Sin is offensive to God. And if the gospel is being preached to you and you choose not to receive the gospel, the place that you are choosing to hide is in sin. And so when wrath comes, you find yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. And the consequence of being in the wrong place at the wrong time is ending in hell. It's a sad truth, but it is the truth. But too many people focus on the wrong side. How can God send people to hell? The truth is, how can God send people to heaven? How is it that God in his mercy and in his grace has made a way for people to step out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light? God did not count it lightly. It cost him his best, his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, if John, the one who was just preaching repentance, was so responded to that all of Jerusalem, Judea, and the entire region came out to be baptized, why do Christians believe that Jesus' baptism is optional? Why do they believe that Jesus' baptism is something that they can take or something that they can leave? Jesus is superior to John. John himself said, there is one coming after me whose who's sandal strap I am not worthy of loosing. Jesus is superior to John. If all of those people responded to the, the message that John preached, we need to understand that we need to respond to the message that Jesus preached. It's the call upon his life. Luke 1, 76 says this, A new child will be called the prophet of the highest. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins. John was called to lead them to a place where they met with God. But in meeting with God, they were called to see Jesus for who he really is. So we understand that Jesus becomes our example. The way of Jesus, the things that Jesus taught us, the things, the direction that Jesus spoke of as becoming a disciple is something that needs to become our priority. Why? First and foremost, because he did it himself. It's not as if Jesus is saying to you, you must be baptized, and he was not willing to be baptized himself. 
It says in uh, Matthew 3 verse 13 that Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you and you are coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so now for thus is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. And when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That second portion relates to spirit baptism. We're really going to focus on that next week. So um, forgive me if I leave all of that for that portion of our time together. But you see, Jesus got baptized. And one of the things that's important to know is because Jesus was baptized and we are in Christ, we are also in his baptism, okay? Which is why it's sufficient for us to be brought into heaven. But there is an issue for us to today walk in the fullness of God's life by choosing baptism ourselves. And you might say to me, Gabriel, I know what you're um, saying. I, I kind of agree. Um, but that maybe this is the first time you're hearing about this. Maybe you're hearing for the first time that you should be baptized. How many of you, when you received the gospel, were told you needed to be baptized? Very few. Good to see some of your hands here. But most people, the gospel that is presented is this. You need to receive Jesus Christ, repent and believe, raise your hand in service. Okay, someone's going to take you out back and pray for you. It might be some months before you hear you need to be baptized. It might be some years before you need to be baptized. How long do you think that you should wait before you're baptized? Do you think you need to wait a month? Show me your hands. I guess what you, you all know the right answer. That we should be baptized ASAP. But there's a problem. There's a problem in the presentation of the gospel. If you don't know from the moment that you are receiving Christ that you need to be baptized, someone has presented the gospel to you wrongly or incompletely, not wrongly, but incompletely. And so that's become one of the major causes for the major delays that people take. I know people that wait 10 years, 20 years. You see us every week when we baptize people. How long have you been a Christian? 10 years. 20 years, and you're getting baptized now, it's great that you are. But if you'd known at the beginning, would you have got baptized at the beginning? And oftentimes they say yes. There's something that needs to change in the way that we present the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me explain to you. An example is Philip. Philip is preaching in Acts 8.35, and Philip comes across an Ethiopian eunuch. And Philip opened his mouth, beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. And now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch... Not Philip, the eunuch said, see, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? The gospel had been presented to him in this one conversation in such a way that he is saying, I need to be baptized. And Philip's response is, if you believe with all of your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And so he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Two important points. There is no sense in being baptized without belief in Christ in your heart. This example eliminates all of those that are baptized on someone else's faith. We can come back to another verse for that a bit later on as well. But secondly, the compulsion of the gospel, the presentation of the gospel should be done in such a way that we understand that baptism, water baptism, is synonymous with our decision to follow Jesus Christ. It's the same thing. 
Sometimes people have this crazy notion. I don't know where it comes from. But you know, no, baptisms, uh, it's a bit of a big deal. You know, I, mm, I don't know if I'm ready for, for mm, don't know if I'm ready for baptism just yet. It's a, it's, that's a big commitment. The big commitment was when you decided to follow the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Amen? Baptism is entirely synonymous with that. And so our presentation, your responsibility as Christians is to preach the gospel with baptism as core to that presentation. Oh, you know, I couldn't, I, I don't want to freak them out. You know, I, I, I don't want to tell them too much because I, I don't want them to get the idea that we're some sort of a cult or something. And, you know, maybe they'll, you know, it might be too much for them. Quit making your excuses. You need to learn how to preach the gospel and you need to learn how to preach the gospel good. It's your responsibility to do so. See, when you challenge somebody to turn from their sin and to come to Christ, they need to be united with Christ in baptism. And you'll find, actually, that people prefer your honesty up front. You'll find when you, when you say you need to repent and believe, be water baptized and spirit-filled to become a Christian, in the fullest sense of the word, to become a disciple of Christ, they'll say, okay, thank you very much. I'll give you an example. I was here in the, in the church just a few weeks ago. I think I've given part of this example before. This lady comes up to me with her sister, dragging her sister along by the hand. You need to preach the gospel to her. I was like, okay. So we sat down. We had a 15-minute conversation. By the end of the 15-minute conversation, she was not only saved, she was also spirit-filled, talking in tongues, and committed to come and get baptized two weeks later, and came and got baptized two weeks later. 15 minutes. Oh, Gabriel, it's all right for you. You're a preacher. No. You guys are all disciples of Jesus. You've all done it. You've all been there. You've all got a testimony. All you've got to do is share your testimony. How did you become a Christian? Oh, yeah, you know, one day God spoke to me and told me I had to go to church and, you know, put my hand up. No. One day I'd made a decision to follow Jesus Christ and I got water baptized and I received the Holy Spirit. Now I'm living on fire for God. If, if there's anything you need to talk about concerning your testimony, make sure you get that in. Don't go, oh, you know, I was just such a terrible person, you know, I was living in sin. And Get in there with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And really, we need to understand something. This isn't about being baptized into the Elam Pentecostal churches. This isn't about being baptized into the Anglican church or the Baptist church or the Methodist church. This is about becoming a member of the body of Christ. When we are baptized, we're going to really hit this a lot harder shortly, but when we are baptized, we are united with Christ in his death and united with him in his resurrection. You are united with Christ in his body. So it's important that we understand that we don't need to run around getting baptized in every new church we go to. Our baptism into Christ with the reception of the Holy Spirit is sufficient for your initiation into the church universal. But we need to know that baptism is a fundamental act of discipleship for us. It is a pattern. The things that you need to do to be made a disciple, repent and believe, water baptism, spirit baptism. In Acts 2 verse 22, Peter is preaching the gospel. He says, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know him, being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken, you have taken 
by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, when God raised up, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. Therefore, let all of the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you've crucified, both Lord and Christ. What you've heard there in a two-minute reading is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus came. He did great things. He died on your behalf. You crucified him. That same Jesus who was buried in the grave was raised again by the power of God after three days and now is seated at the right hand of the Father. If there's anything you need to know about the gospel, that is it. And in response to this presentation, the men who were around were cut to their heart. We need to understand the truth that Jesus endured what he did to make a way for us to flee from the coming wrath that that, um, John spoke about, John the Baptist. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And then Jesus said to them, repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you, to your children, to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord will call. That's how you make a disciple. Water baptism, spirit baptism. Release from the penalty and for, of sin, forgiveness in water baptism, and receiving the gift of God in spirit baptism. That's different. You might be wondering, Gabriel, well, I was taught to make a disciple, to learn to pray, to read the Bible, to take communion, to hang out with the church. That's how you grow a disciple. That's how you develop somebody in their faith. That's how you teach them and lead them into the fullness of life that Jesus has prepared for us. But to make a disciple, to make somebody that you can begin to work with in that kind of a way, you need to see them water baptized and spirit-filled. Now, we can go through um, in more detail another time, but in Acts 8, we see another example of some salvation experiences. We see that Philip has again been preaching in Samaria. This is just before the example with the eunuch that we read earlier on. He preaches in Samaria. And it happens that Peter and John need to come down and help him because the Holy Spirit has not fallen upon these men yet. But it says they had been baptized, in verse 16, they had been baptized in the name of Jesus. Philip, the good preacher, preached the gospel, made sure that they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul, now Paul, you know, Paul is normally a good example for all of us, but here Paul's a bit of a bad example, because it took Paul three days to get baptized. That's way too long. But it so happened that Paul was on the road to Damascus, and light shone all around him. And Jesus, you know, was, we know that Paul spoke to Jesus personally many, many times. He probably didn't want to waste his words his first time that he was speaking to him, so he just said, I'm the Lord Jesus Christ, whom you're persecuting. It's hard to kick against the goads. Disappeared. Man, a few words. So Paul didn't know that he needed to be baptized as yet. He gets taken to Damascus. He's blind. He doesn't know what is going on around him. He's only just conscious of the fact that I just met someone awesome. And along comes a man, Ananias. Took Ananias three days to get there. That's the only reason for the delay. Ananias comes along says to him, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. He received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. Paul himself baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. Cornelius' household, the first Gentile Pentecost, this is Acts 10, verse 44 to 48. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as, they were, as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Can anybody forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And then they asked him to stay a few days. These Cornelius Gentiles, the Gentiles like we are Gentiles, they received the Holy Spirit first, but they were also water baptized immediately. What does that say to you? Discipleship is not completed in receiving the Holy Spirit. All components of repentance and belief, water baptism, spirit baptism, are essential for the making of a disciple. The end, if you get to the end goal of receiving the Spirit, it doesn't mean that you skip out the steps in between. You go back. You go back and make sure that you finish that off. You make sure that you enter into the full benefits of that. And lastly, Acts 19. This is real quick for those of you who wonder, I was baptized as a child. Should I be rebaptized? I know that applies to many people. Oftentimes I get asked this question. This is an example where Paul comes to Ephesus and he finds some disciples in Acts 19. And he says to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He recognized something was wrong. They weren't pre speaking in tongues. And so he was saying, you know, have you guys got the Holy Spirit? And so they said to him, we've not so much as heard of if there is a Holy Spirit. And so Paul begins to do his math. Well, if they were to be made a disciple properly, they would have repented and believed, been water baptized and been spirit-filled. They haven't spoken in tongues, so they're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. Let me find out. Found out that they hadn't been. And so he then goes back. Have you guys been baptized? And they said, yes, we have. Into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, when they heard about baptism into Christ, they began to have faith in Christ. Do you understand? They didn't know who Jesus was until this point in time, but now they knew who Jesus was. They were walking in faith with Christ. They became baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Until you know who Christ is, you explain to me how a one-year-old knows who Christ is. Until you know who Christ is, you're just taking a bath. You're just going for a swim in the water. When you know who Christ is and you're being put under the water in faith, that is when you're being baptized. And so Paul took these men who had already received the baptism of John and they baptized them into the name of the Lord Jesus. So I hope that clarifies for you that if you are baptized as a child, you need to be baptized in faith, knowing who your Savior is. Your personal faith. Your parents' faith, God bless them for it, but it doesn't count. What your parents are called to do with you as a child is this, to bring you to the church to dedicate you to God. Dedicate your children to God, trusting that He is going to look after you after the child, until they're in a place where they can make a personal decision to follow Jesus. If we're called to do anything by faith as parents, it is that, to trust God to bring the child up to a place where he will make his own decision or she will make her own decision. 
You can engage your faith there. You can begin to exact your faith in that kind of a situation. And so then getting rebaptized. If you've been rebaptized once in faith, any other baptism, you're just going for a bath. This is all to do with being born again. Many of you will know that when you say, I'm a born again Christian, it offends people. But you need to be proud of the fact that you are born again. John chapter 3 and verse 5 says, Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you that unless one is born of water, water baptism, and born of the spirit, spirit baptism, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. This is part of being brought into the kingdom of God as God intended. You see, if we, had, if we made disciples like the examples of Scripture show us, right from the very start, somebody gets saved, they get baptized, they get spirit-filled. Imagine if that happens within one day. That's the way it's supposed to happen. I've seen it happen one time. I want to see it happen all the time. But if we did that properly what we'd be doing is giving people the best opportunity to not only step into the fullness of the life that God has prepared for them, but we also save them all of the pastoral issues surrounding, you know, am I saved if I'm not baptized? I hope you know from what I said at the start, that you're saved by your confession in Christ. We also save them from these concerns of, does God love me if I haven't spoken in tongues yet? We'll cover that more next week. It saves people a lot of heartache if we would just disciple people the way that Scripture teaches us to disciple people. See, all of these problems only happen because people wait years to get baptized, wait years to get spirit-filled. That is your birthright. You're right on the day that you get saved. The moment you are born again into the kingdom of God by faith in Christ, you are called to receive water baptism, spirit baptism that day to begin to step. You know the problem with the church at large is that spirit baptism is the pinnacle of the Christian experience. The Bible teaches that spirit baptism is the entry to the Christian experience. If you wait all of your life till maybe you're 45 or 50 and then receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, how long is it going to take you to practice the gifts? What if you got that now when you're whatever age you are now? If you had that now, then you have the rest of your life to experience the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Instead of waiting for a season sometime, somewhere, maybe. God's promise to you is now that you would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and all that Jesus has prepared for you in water baptism. Hope you understand all of that. But let me explain to you what baptism means for you. Because this is where it gets powerful. This is where it begins to highlight something to you that you don't possibly know as yet. I want to read to you from Romans 6. What then shall we say? Shall I continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. Say that with me. Our old man was crucified with him. Say it a bit stronger than that. 
that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Say that with me. I'm not a slave of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we, <laughs> now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but you are under grace. The implications of this text are powerful. In entering the waters of baptism, you are being united with Christ upon the cross in his death. Think about that. For just being put under the water, you're being brought into all that Jesus had to suffer on the cross. You don't have to suffer. It might be a bit cold sometimes, but there's no suffering in the baptism tank. And then you get brought out of that water experience. You died with Christ there, but he died so that we don't have to die in that same manner. And then as we're brought out, we are united with Christ in his resurrection. We are born again. We are brought into eternal life, newness of life. See, the participation in Christ's death satisfies the justice of God. His wrath which is poured out against a sin that was in your life, is poured out against Jesus Christ who has made sin on our behalf that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And as we come up, we are brought into new creation life. And now, guess what God's wrath and judgment is poured out against? It is poured out against that which keeps you from knowing who you are in him, sin. It's not poured out against you who are hidden in sin. You are now hidden in Christ and his wrath is poured out against that which is trying to keep you from your knowledge of who you are in Christ. See, a lot of people still struggle with sin. Unless you are all walking like Jesus today. A lot of you are still struggling with sin. The way to walk increasingly free from sin is to walk deeper in a revelation of what has happened here. Reckon yourselves indeed to be dead to sin. See, we need baptism. Baptism is not just a side stream, maybe, if I feel like it. We need baptism to identify with Christ. There is no separation of our decision to follow Jesus, followed by our identification with him in passing through waters. This modern practice of waiting to be baptized is anomalous. It doesn't exist in Scripture. Everybody, except for Paul, was baptized the day they believed. And even Paul only took three days. If Paul took three days, then we need to follow that example at the outside, if not getting baptized on the day. But what does it mean? It means this. For you to walk in grace, you need baptism. 
it's pretty clear to me. You are not under law, but under grace. It says also at the beginning, shall we continue in sin that grace might abound? I missed the verse, sorry. But it says that you are not under law, but under grace. Baptism is an instrument of grace. My brother once said to me, he was resisting the fact that he should be water baptized. I'm going to send him a copy of this message. I'm not going to tell you his name though. He said to me, Gabriel, that doesn't sound like you're walking in grace because it's a work getting baptized, isn't it? What work? What work? Somebody else lowers you into the water. Somebody else brings you out. And in that time, God kills the old man, buries him, and brings you out a new man. What work? It is an instrument of grace. Why? Because when you go down in the water, the man that was controlled by sin, the slave of sin, was buried with Christ. And when you come out, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. What are you a slave of now? Christ. Now you're a slave of Christ. Some of you are like, I don't want to be no, no one's slave. Let's term it a different way. We are made free in Christ. You choose your slavery. You choose to become a bondservant of Christ. You can keep going back to sin if you want to. God bless you. I don't want to be you. I want to walk free in Christ. Freedom is not so that we can go back and sin. Freedom is so that we can enjoy the fullness of Christ. And so in that place, the body of sin is buried and you come out a slave to Christ. What does that mean? You don't have to sin anymore. See, all of us don't want to sin. We kind of enjoy it in the moment, but afterwards you think to yourself, man, I stuffed up. Our peace leaves us. Fear returns. We become anxious. What am I going to do? Yet now, we do not have to sin. You do not have to let sin reign in your mortal body. That's why Paul is so strong. He says, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Why? Because the old you is dead. So when the devil comes to try to remind you, sorry devil, the old man's dead. Don't know who you're talking to. Can't hear you. Don't accuse me. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm a new creation in Christ. It's a, it's a mechanism of grace. Some people, you're still waiting to be baptized. Let me just say to you, there's two reasons why you might be waiting to be baptized. One is that you want to keep on sinning. And if you want to keep on sinning, let me ask you, have you truly known what Jesus has done for you? You need to make a decision to follow Jesus both feet in rather than messing around with one foot out, one foot in. The other reason, I want to be pure before I get baptized. I want to be living right before I get baptized. How do you imagine you're going to do that carrying around the body of sin? Are you going to run your fastest with a body of sin on your back? Are you going to try your hardest with a body of sin on your back? Good job. Good, good luck to you. The only way that you can walk into the fullness of God, life that Christ has prepared for you is to be baptized. To leave behind all of that other stuff and to step into the fullness that Jesus has prepared for you. Don't try to do it in your own strength. And from that point in time onwards, you come out of the water, you've got a different attitude. Devil, you can't talk to me. I'm living by the grace of God. That old me is dead. I am a new creation in Christ. Sin has no dominion over me. If sin has no dominion over you, what right does the devil have over you? None. The only way that the devil gains access to your life is if you choose to put yourself under sin. 
You are hidden in Christ. Cell leaders, you need to learn this. Every month, I baptize four or five of my disciples. I want to challenge you about this. You need to get on it. Get, get people in the basic steps of discipleship. You are doing them a disservice if you are not doing that. Because you're setting them up to learn how to look, walk by their own strength until the point in which they get baptized. They need baptism. They need spirit filling so that they can become the men that God has called them to be. So that they can become the women that God has called them to be. Just recently, three guys baptized. One of them, I keep talking about him, he's preaching to his friends, he's praying for the sick, he's been saved six weeks, and he's seen people healed. One guy was so eager to get baptized that he jumped off the top step. <laughs> but you see, when you do that for your men and for your women, you prepare them for the best possible walk with Christ. You see, you want to show me an unvictorious Christian, show me someone who's not baptized spirit-filled. But show me somebody who has been baptized and spirit-filled. They might be going through challenges, but they are getting stronger in Christ every single day because of the fact that you have discipled them properly. And what does that then mean for the life that they live? They are now a new creation in Christ Jesus. The devil has no more right to attack them. The devil has no more foundation because they are dead. They are now alive in Christ, the new creation alive in Christ. The guy that the devil had a claim on is dead and finished. So you can say that to the devil. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Why are you trying to lie to me? I know who I am in Christ. I know what Scripture says. Scripture says that old me is dead, so shut up. Or in the angel's version, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. All right? Don't go and know more than that. Some people, I bind the devil and, you know, go crazy. Just say the Lord rebuke you. That's enough. Because I am dead that old one is dead, and I am now alive in Jesus Christ. And in the sight of God, on the day that you entered into the waters of baptism, hopefully the day that you got saved, from that point on, in His sight, you have been a new creation. What needs to change is the renewal of your mind so that you know that you are a new creation. Everything that is said in Scripture is ours to experience here today. So something needs to happen in your mind. This scripture needs to become more real to you than where you are right now in your walk with the Lord. You need to understand that every anxiety, fear, anger, addiction, controlling power that is facing your life has been broken. The power has been broken. I see a friend over here. He came to me. He said, Gabriel, when I got baptized, all of those lying voices disappeared. Was that supposed to happen? I said, man, that was supposed to happen because the old you is dead. Those voices can't come no more to speak to you. They can't come to challenge you, to bring you down. So we need to understand the victory in which we stand. Your water baptism, the fact that you've just taken a little dunk in the water here, means you're a new creation. The devil has no right, no rights in your life. You stand on that. You stand strong on that. You stand tall on that. Because you're not saved by your own works. You are saved by the instrument of grace that is in Christ. And being united that in all that he has done for us. By being buried with him in waters and brought out into fullness of life with him. Now, I know many of you here will need to be baptized. 
But we thought we'd speak, speak this word to you today so that you can come out in two weeks' time, the 29th of April, and we can have a big baptism celebration. And we can see you baptized here in the name of the Lord Jesus and see you stepping increasingly into the freedom that God has prepared for you. And if you're a cell leader, you need to bring your cell members with you and get them baptized. Send them this teaching, help them understand why they need to be baptized, okay? But I want to do one final thing before we leave. There's some of you here today who don't even know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I want to give you an invitation to come to know him. And that invitation is this. Jesus died on your behalf because of the sin that is in your life. He took your punishment upon the cross so that you might not just be forgiven of your sin, but be brought into an eternal relationship with the Father who is in heaven. And you enter into the benefits of that by saying, I want to be united with Christ in his death and in his resurrection. Get baptized at your earliest opportunity. But I want to challenge you, some, some of you here today, you need to make a decision to follow Jesus. So I want to just ask everyone to bow their heads. And for those of you who need to receive Jesus, I want to ask you at the end of this prayer to raise your hand, to be bold and to raise your hand. But let's pray. Father, loud and strong. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you today. We recognize that we need you, Lord, for our forgiveness of sin to be brought into fullness of life. And so we ask, Lord Jesus, that today, as we make a decision to follow you as our Lord and Savior, you would take us on the path of discipleship to experience all the life you prepared for us in this life and to enter into eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. Just keep your heads bowed for a moment. If you prayed that prayer for the first time and you've made a faith decision that you want to follow Jesus, I want you to raise your hand in the air. Just boldly raise your hand up in the air right now and someone will be able to come and help you. No one here today? Think about the words I've spoken to you. You need Jesus in your life for the forgiveness of sin. But for the rest of you, stand strong in the victory that Jesus has accomplished in your baptism and get your disciples along the same path of baptism themselves so they can enjoy the fullness of life that you are enjoying. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Let's give the Lord a big praise offering. It's been great to have you with us today. Um, so uh, next week, I'm going to go on to baptism in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. Controversial one sure you're going to have a lot of fun with that. So come out, bring your friends. It's going to be a great, great time. Bruce is up at the next service. He's continuing the series on what would have happened if Jesus had never lived. Um, and he's going to be looking at education and the fact that Jesus and the teaching has brought us into the, uh, well, the value of teaching children has brought us into the place we are now as a society in the world. And then this evening, Artie Kendall is at the seven o'clock. If you weren't here at the 9-11, you need to get a hold of that message. But seven o'clock tonight, Artie Kendall, going to be an amazing, amazing word from him. Always take every opportunity you can to listen to Artie Kendall. He's an aged gentleman. Who knows how many more times he's going to be here, but every time you get revelation that changes your life. Amen. So God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. If you're new to the church, come forward, say hi. We've got our welcome team here especially to meet you, help you find your place in the church. Thank you.